This episode of She Explores is brought to you by Sawyer. Now, I was familiar with Sawyer's water filtration products, like the Sawyer Squeeze, but did you know they also make insect repellents? Their permethrin fabric treatment repels and kills mosquitoes and ticks for six weeks or six washes, and it doesn't harm any fabrics or finishes. Six weeks. That's a lot of hiking and backpacking trips. It's the start of summer and a great time to prep your gear. Make sure when you use the permethrin fabric treatment that you let it fully dry before you use it to maximize effectiveness. We're excited to be giving away a Sawyer gift pack to keep you hydrated and protected in the outdoors. Head to she-explores.com Sawyer or the link in our show notes to enter. Sawyer uses the best technology to keep you going regardless of your journey. Learn more at www.sawyer.com. This episode of She Explores is also brought to you by Benchmark Maps. I love looking at maps while traveling, but so many road atlases feel like they're missing the detailed back roads, camping, and national monuments I really want to experience while I'm out there. Benchmark Maps completely changed the way I travel for the better with their series of field-tested road and recreation atlases for each of the 12 western states. Every atlas features regional public lands maps with categorized recreation listings, including parks and monuments, campgrounds and RV parks, boating and fishing access, and more. So from the Rockies to the Pacific, you can always find adventure while you're en route. Learn more at www.benchmarkmaps.com and use coupon code SHEEXPLORES for 20% off your order. I'm Gail Straub, and you're listening to She Explores. Before we get started, we're doing another episode on going it solo in the outdoors. If you haven't seen episode 8, we did that almost two years ago in September of 2016. Just like last time, I'd love to hear from you in order to include your story. Head to she-explores.com or the link in our show notes to see where you can submit your voice memo of spending time outside all by yourself. Okay, on with the show. I think the best way to model what you want in life is to live it. When people see you doing your thing, you know, um, they learn from that. Myrna Valerio, AKA the Myrnavator, loves to run. And to watch her do it or speak about it is truly joyful. Myrna has always enjoyed moving her body, but her passion for running as an adult was spurred by an anxiety attack, which led her to reevaluate her health. With a family history of heart disease, she knew to listen to what her body was telling her. She needed to move. In spare moments between being a mother and working full-time as a teacher, she ran her way up to a half, full, and now ultra marathons. By running for herself, Myrna has become a role model for others. You might be listening because you're already familiar with her story. Maybe you watched the short film The Murnervator, directed by Sarah Menzies, or saw her speak, or read her blog Fat Girl Running. So you know Myrna doesn't win races, and she isn't thin and white like a lot of ultra runners out there. Myrna is modeling what's possible. She's modeling being a black, fat girl running, moving her body up and over mountains. Which begs the question, what are you modeling for others? A 
talked to Myrna last week, and she just left her job as a teacher to pursue running, speaking, and other brand partnerships full-time. She was in Wyoming with a nonprofit called City Kids Wilderness Project, which takes kids from Washington, D.C. to hike, bike, ride horses, all with the goal of enhancing their lives. Myrna was there as none other than a positive role model. Every now and then, I interview someone, and I'm intimidated by the importance of the work that they do. I'd never talked with Myrna before, but I'd read her memoir, A Beautiful Work in Progress, and I was a little nervous, um, a little ready to gush. (laughs) I started off by telling her something I'd wanted to say since I'd read her memoir. I really did want to say right off the bat, like I wanted to say thank you for one thing that I read in your book. So I ran cross country and track in high school and my sister and I probably didn't have the healthiest relationship with running. Um, It was very competitive and we definitely had like a lighter is better mentality, you know, as naive high school students. So I just wanted to say thank you for the, the way that you treated the girls that you trained um, when you were a high school coach. Oh, thank you for saying that. Um, that's that means so much to me because I, it's, it's so important for me, um, and I think for the girls that I have trained and and the boys too to know that running is for everybody. <laughs> it really is an incredible lifestyle if you let it be a lifestyle, and you know, and that it has all so many benefits, and so. That's the way I always approached my coaching. And of course, like we wanted to win ma- um, meets and stuff. We didn't win a whole lot, but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, they learned to love running just for the sake of running. And that's that's kind of what I, what I was aiming for. Yeah, I like that you say lifestyle versus because like the amount of time that the average high school student is going to be like competitively racing you know, might not be a really long time. So like to treat it like something that you have fun doing versus something that you're kind of killing yourself over, which yeah. is what my sister and I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. My my son actually joined my cross country team and I was so surprised, number one, <laughs> because yeah. he always said, mom, I'm a basketball player. I, I'm a tennis player and I'm a swimmer. That's what I do. I don't run that's your thing. And then he showed up for Mm. our practice the first day. And I was like, um, what are you doing here? (laughs) (laughs) So I think I'm going to try cross country and he loved it. And he did such a great job and he's doing it again this year. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to compete. I just want to run. And that is amazing to me because my son doesn't like doing anything that I do. So, (laughs) you know, as is the case with a lot of teenagers, but, um, that makes me so happy and it makes my heart so full when I hear that from any kind of teenager. Oh, he'll be ultra running in no time. (laughs) We'll see about that. (laughs) Congratulations on taking the leap to going full time as a runner. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you. I'm um, absolutely terrified of what may or may not happen. Um, but I am really, really excited. And I get to do cool things like this, like hang out with kids and, and go hiking and, and, um, and just be a, you know, be a person of color. These kids are mostly, mostly kids of color. 
be mm. a, a person of color, be an adult, be a successful adult that does things in the outdoors. <laughs> and that, and, and that is normal for me. So I love, I love being able to do that. And so I'm excited about that part of my life. Yeah. So, so is that how you describe the work that you do? If, if someone asks, um, it really depends on who asked me because I have a different answer for everyone. Uh, right now huh. I'm actually, um, I'm in Wyoming and I'm, I'm in a bed and breakfast and every morning I have a different conversation with the people that appear at breakfast. And sometimes I describe myself as a writer. Sometimes I describe myself as an athlete or as a public speaker or, <laughs> or as a person <laughs> in the outdoors. <laughs> So it's all of the above, though. Yeah. Um, and why does it depend on the person that you're talking to? You know, because people, um, I, I guess it's the way in which they ask questions. Why are you here? What are you doing? And, well, I do begin by saying I just ended an 18-year teaching career um, mm. it's a couple of days ago. And I moved out of my house in Georgia. And uh, I'm adventuring all summer. But in that adventure, I am also working, I'm speaking, I'm writing, I'm making appearances at certain events, um, and I get to do a lot of trail running and hiking with different people. And so, so it's a whole lot of things. <laughs> yeah. The longer we talk, the, the more other stuff comes out. <laughs> and it's something that, like, I don't know how to describe, like, an average person, but, like, the person who maybe goes in and knows what their day looks like um, when they go into an office it's harder for them to wrap their heads around that. And so, so what do you actually do? So all of the above. Like I really do all of those 10 things. <laughs> <laughs> Myrna has made a name for herself. And a lot of that name is born out of defending what she does, running, and why she does it. And how she, a woman who is not a size six, would want to spend miles upon miles on the trail. Myrna handles questions like that honestly, and with more grace than is sometimes due the questioner. Besides the obvious, that people should do what they want to do with their bodies without being questioned, here's a big reason Myrna gets out there. I was feeling a lot of anxiety right after I moved out of my house on Friday, which was a couple of days ago. Because <laughs> I have a lot of different projects now that I'm not a teacher anymore. So I had, you know, this sort of like sense of impending doom about all the things that I had to do and the speech that I had to give this weekend and the presentation that I was giving last night and I'm giving one tomorrow night too. And as soon as I went out on my first trail run when I got to Wyoming, all of that anxiety went away. And it's not always like that, but it did. It just allowed me to clear my head mm. and to think things through even though that wasn't my intention, because I just wanted to get a training run in, <laughs> in a beautiful space. And so that's what I did. But like, it ended up giving me a lot of time to think, a lot of time to process and to plan, and also just to breathe, because I haven't been able to do that in the last couple of weeks. And so um, it totally calmed me down. Um, you know, I'm totally sold on things like the, the nature fix, because it's real. <laughs> you know, we have mm. anecdotal and scientific evidence that going out into nature is what we need to do as humans. So yeah, so like, I definitely felt a difference after I came back from my trail run. So yeah, that's how it affects me. Like, no matter what I'm doing, if it's a trail run, if it's a hike, if it's if I'm swimming in a lake, if I'm just walking in the snow, whatever it is, um, there's always a sense of calm that I get from doing that. And and hearing that, I'm thinking, you know, it's been 
years that you've been like running in this way, it's awesome to think that like that kind of energy is renewable in certain ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Even when I'm at my most harried and I'm, I'm training for something like the Boston Marathon or something, those five hours that I'm out running or three hours, even if it's on pavement, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I definitely feel a difference in my spirit when, I, when I'm done. Oh, that's great. You know, thinking about like, that's like a really like kind of joyful side of, of trail running and ultra running. How, how do you kind of balance the, the joy with the, you know, the other side of it, like some of the suffering that can come from like a really long run? Um, <laughs> well, you know, it really depends on, it depends on what's going on in my life. If I'm doing a race, my experience will be different than if I'm doing a training run. But there, there definitely is suffering in both. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's kind of easier to deal with suffering when it's in a race because, you know, this is the thing that you've been training for and, and uh, it'll be over soon and then you can go home and sleep. Yeah. But in the training run, like there's always, I always feel like I have a choice. Like I could turn around now. I could, I could not finish my run and say I did. <laughs> I could... <laughs> You know, I could just go way slower than I'm supposed to be going or, you know, whatever it is. And it's, it's always a, a huge, huge mental challenge to get through really long training runs, especially when it's like super hot or super cold or I'm tired or, I, you know, I haven't slept or um, there's so many other things that I need to be doing right now. And so all of those things sort of swirling around in my mind <laughs> make it so difficult. Sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes I have really, really great training runs and other times I'm just, I'm kind of over it. And, you know, but that's part of the process. And as long as you know that, that that's part of the process, it's, you just kind of open your arms and say, okay, suffering here I am. Let me just get through this, please. So I can get this done. (laughs) You know, I think it makes, it makes you stronger mentally and physically, obviously, but I try to acknowledge the suffering. I know it's going to come and it sucks when you're, when you're dealing with it. And, you know, it sucks when your feet hurt or, or you've got chafing or it's, it's super hot or with me, like it's, it's really hard um, for me because I travel so much and, and sometimes training is just this another thing that I got to get done. Mm. And so sometimes it's a drag, but I know I got to get it done. And I know that I'm always going to feel a hundred percent better when I'm done. Yeah. And you wrote about in your book about like the value of putting the work in, you know, it can be hard, but there are results from that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think you learn so much about yourself when you are in the trenches. (laughs) (laughs) You learn about your own personal grit, your endurance, your ability to withstand lots of different things, not just, you know, when you're out there on a run or, or on a hike. If you can get through five hours of running all by yourself in the heat with mosquitoes whizzing around you, you can do anything. (laughs) You're definitely showing up for yourself (laughs) in those moments. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm sometimes guilty of not showing up for myself. So I know that can definitely be hard. You know, and I definitely have those moments, too. There's some moments where I'm like, no, not today. It's not happening. (laughs) It's just, it's just not happening. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. 
I think you also have to be okay with that too. As long as that doesn't happen too much, because then you have to, I think then you have to reevaluate. But I think, you know, giving yourself a break sometimes and not showing up for yourself, I think that's okay too. <laughs> we'll hear more from Myrna after a quick break. This episode of She Explores is sponsored by World Nomads, the global travel lifestyle and insurance brand for independent adventure travelers. Whether you're 100 miles from home or on the other side of the world, Colorado or Cambodia, Oregon or Oman, World Nomads covers over 150 of the activities you love while enjoying the great outdoors. The greatest thing about them is their passion for supporting travelers who want to get off the beaten path and explore their boundaries. Learn more by tuning in to the World Nomads podcast. Hear about great destinations and the amazing nomads who continue to explore those places. You'll hear from Anne-Marie Soulsby, who began a gap year 18 years ago and is still traveling and mentoring other women on overcoming their fears and embracing a life of travel. The World Nomads podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, or go to worldnomads.com slash podcasts. You wrote, um, in no way do I believe that simply becoming thin and aspiring to look like what mainstream media messages suggest I should look like will make me happier. We're back with Myrna, and I just shared a quote from her memoir, A Beautiful Work in Progress. So it's that kind of like external transformation, like leading to eternal bliss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why do you think our culture is so fixated on our external selves? Because we've always been, <laughs> you know, in the 20th and 21st centuries anyway, I think that's kind of where we've been heading as a society. There's always some sort of power structure or hierarchy that human beings like to be in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and this is just one of those ways to assign a value to people based on how they look because it creates a hierarchy. And so um, so this is, this is just one of those things and uh, I'm not here for it. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've never been here for it. And my and thank God I am from a family that prizes being kind and hmm. being funny and being a good person above all other things. So that was that was never my experience. But you know, I live in the world, so, so yeah. I see that that is other people's experience. And um, so it's sometimes it's hard to fight against that. And to sort of stand my ground, but that has always been who who I am. And I think from what I see like happening in the world, like Self Magazine just put up a, a digital cover of Tess Holiday, mm. and she's not wearing a lot of clothes. <laughs> and the headline is something like, you know, it is none of your business what her health is like. You know, it's none of your business. Mm. It really isn't. If you aren't familiar, Tess Holiday is a model and a body positive ambassador. She's the founder of the social movement F Your Beauty Standards, and she's a role model to many, but people still want to tell her whether or not she's healthy. Because, you know, people are going to base what they think her health is on her appearance. So I think the world is is progressing in that direction very slowly. <laughs> but, um, you know, we still have a lot of work to do in that area um, of seeing people for who they are and not making snap judgments. 
about who they are based on their appearance and based on their thinness or their fatness or their whiteness or their blackness, you know. So um, we have a lot of work to do, but we're we're getting somewhere. It's huge when like a big magazine like Self does something like that. Yeah. I mean, and I and I have not read any of the the comments (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I don't want to because I already know what they are. Hmm. (laughs) You know, you're encouraging people to be fat. You are um, encouraging people to be obese. You are, you know, doing whatever kind of thing that concern trolls (laughs) often talk about. And so, and I'm like, how, like with me personally, I'm like, I am out running. How am I encouraging people (laughs) to, (laughs) to be unhealthy? Yeah, I mean, I think about a magazine like Self. Typically, the cover makes most people not feel very good about themselves. No, because it's airbrushed and and it's all like extremely thin people. And and fine, if you're extremely thin, that's fine. That's who you are. Um, No one's knocking you or I'm not knocking Mm -hmm. you anyway. But there are other types of bodies out there. And we're only in the past, we've only represented one type of body. And that body was the aspirational body. It was thin. It was white. It was chiseled. It was suntan, just so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was <laughs> the person had straight hair or wavy hair. They were definitely not black. They were not fat. They were not disabled. They were, you know, so it was one type of body that was prized over all other types of bodies. And I, I think we're kind of breaking out of that mold, which is, which is great to see because, you know, we're, as a human race, we're all different kinds of bodies, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. all different kinds of peoples and genders and everything. And so it's, it's really nice to, to see more representation of different types of bodies, different types of humans. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you wrote when you said, and this is just like a fact, but that like body positivity is inclusive of all bodies. Yeah. All bodies are good bodies. But it's something that probably surprises people sometimes to even hear that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't believe that because they still have in their minds that there's, you know, that different bodies have different values. Mm. It's it's hard to unlearn that when that has been your your life. Those lessons have been ingrained in you. I noticed that you recently did at least one workshop with REI that was related to body size and Mm -hmm. outdoor apparel. What what did you hear from women at those workshops? Like, what did you learn from them about like what they want to see in, you know, outdoor apparel and outdoor media? Well, it's funny because none of it's surprising to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, none of the feedback that I got from the amazing women who came to, I actually did three so far. I have one more next week, but it's normal stuff. Like I'd love clothes that fit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is that so hard? Or I'd love sleeves that aren't too short, or I'd love a bra that actually covers up my boobs. (laughs) um, I'd love pants that actually don't fall off or roll down when I move Mm -hmm. because I love to be I love to move and I love to be outside and I love to do this, but I, you know, I can only order men's clothes or I can only order the the size that I need online. I can't actually go into a store and try it on. And so it creates a lot of barriers for people when they don't have clothes that fit, that look good and that um, perform. So that is, that is the feedback we've been getting. And it's not, there's nothing surprising. It is just a matter of companies realizing that there is this whole not realizing, but acknowledging mm. 
because they know that there's this whole community. 69% of American women are 14, size 14 and over. So uh, regardless of what you think about that and why that is happening, we need clothes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We are athletes. We are hikers. We are backpackers. We need clothes to go out and do the stuff that you say we need to be doing or that we should be. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> so please, uh, make it happen. And so that's, that was the tenor of all of the, the conversations that, that they had. And, and it was great because Aria, I brought in, um, different outfitters to, um, talk about different things. They talked about bra sizing and they talked about, um, pants and shorts and tights and, and tops and, and other things. And, you know, and it, it was really incredible that people were willing to speak openly and that, and then Aria, was listening so openly. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that that is a model for other companies to do the same. Yeah, yeah. And to start working that, you know, different sizes and, you know, fits and, and all that feedback into actual mm-hmm. production cycles. Yes. I know that takes a while too. Yeah, yeah. And I actually, I, I remember having an interview with uh, a writer for the REI Co-op Journal last year. And, and I said, you know, I said, it's, as like it's bullshit that you can't make the uh, <laughs> the apparel now, because when something comes off the runway, you know the next day it's available. Oh it's yeah, it's available. Don't tell me that you can't make it. Don't tell me that you need to do focus groups. Mm. <laughs> 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 Just make the clothes. That's all you all you've got to do. Like, and I know like from a sort of retail perspective and from a fashion perspective, there does need to be some work done. But come on, come on. Yeah, it's. it's not just REI, but like it's it's a matter of wanting to do it and wanting those people as your customers and, and seeing those people as your customers, envisioning them as your customers. And so so that's been hard for a lot of companies to do. And so now, you know, there's this clamoring for it. Like we we we, we just need clothes. That's all we want. We want clothes. We want to be respected as, as human beings who need to be clothed. That's all. And so and I think a lot of companies are coming around. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too which is really cool. Yeah. So you've become a role model for a lot of people. Is the impact that you have on other people something that you think about a lot? Um, I kind of just like go out on my trail runs and think about (laughs) the impact that I have on people. But when I do, but when I, when I get messages and from different folks and when I get all these, um, or I have all of these opportunities sort of handed to me because there has been an impact, then that reminds me of, of number one, how incredible my life is right now. (laughs) (laughs) And number two, the fact that I'm so honored to have the opportunity to impact other people's lives, you know, whether it's through something I write or whether it's just through people seeing me do the things that I do, seeing me on the trail or seeing me in the airport and saying, hey, are you the Murnivator? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I love you. I signed up for my first 5K because of you. That is incredible to me. That is just like, I have no tears left in me. <laughs> <because> <laughs> I have cried, and I'm not, I always say I'm not a crier, and I really am not, but like I've cried all my tears because every time I hear a story like that, I, I, I signed up for my first half marathon that so-and-so in my family said that I would never be able to do because of you or because I saw you at an REI thing or at, you know, or at your book talk or whatever, and 
that is that's so meaningful to me and 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 it just makes me want to continue doing what I'm doing you know not just for myself but for the the effect that it has on other people that's that's really cool because not everybody gets that that chance in life you know yeah is there anyone that um that you look up to like as a role model um <laughs> this is corny but it's my mom <laughs> <laughs> And this is actually one of, one of the things that I talk about, um, that I have talked about at the last three REI trunk shows, is the fact that my mom, I, I, I tell a couple of stories about her, but one of the most poignant stories I tell is, or that uh, the stories that are, that are poignant to me um, anyway, is the fact that I was, um, last year I made an attempt at Trans Rockies, and Trans Rockies six day stage race, which I did not finish. Uh, but the first day I finished, the second day I, I DNF'd mm. and I was really upset about it. Um, <laughs> you know, I was like kind of brooding over the fact that I could have finished, but I, but I chose not to because well, I couldn't breathe because mm. <laughs> we were at like 10,000 feet or something in Leadville and, and, uh, and I was really upset. But in my, um, in my brooding, I got a message from my mom on Facebook Messenger and she sent me a picture of herself at the gym. <laughs> and my mom is not someone who goes to the gym <laughs> or who had gone to the gym before. I showed her that she could actually go to the gym because she previously thought that the gym was only for white people <laughs> and for young white people and that she didn't belong there. And so we got her a membership to the gym and, she, and I showed her how to use the machines. And so she sent me this picture of her on the treadmill. And she's like, hey, I went to the gym and I did 26 minutes on the treadmill, 16 minutes on the elliptical and five minutes on that stupid Stairmaster. And, <laughs> and I did it by myself. And in that moment of brooding and feeling bad about myself and um, just like <laughs> just not having a good day, the fact that my mother sent me this was meant so much to me. You know, here's a woman who had never felt empowered to exercise or to take care of herself because she was always taking care of other people. You know, I wrote about this in my book. Um, you know, she was always expected to take care of other people. And so she didn't even know that she could take care of herself. And so now in her 60s, she's beginning to do that. Mm. And um, and to, to have her in my moment of, you know, I chose this. I chose to be at the <laughs> Rockies and I, and I chose to do this really crazy shit. You know? But here's my mom. Because I had the opportunity to show her that oh, we could do really, really crazy, awesome things, things that we thought that we never, ever could do. She was doing the same thing. Um, and that meant so much to me. And, and, and so the, and then in that moment, I, I realized that, you know, even though I was disappointed that I didn't finish that day, I went on to finish 75 miles of the 120 miles. But, mm. but I, I realized that I wasn't just doing it for me. You know, there was a whole other reason that I was doing this crazy thing in the middle of the Rockies <laughs> that, you know, she was watching, other people were watching, other people were learning from what I was doing and that other people could learn from what she was doing too. And so that, that was, that was really cool. So she is definitely my inspiration and she's somebody that I look up to. And, um, you know, of course there are other athletes and things that I, that I love watching and that I, that I learn from, but there's no one that I have learned more from, um, than my mom. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so powerful. 
Do you have any, uh, this is just one last question for you, because um, we're getting up to the, the end of the time and I'm really grateful for you for spending this time when you have such a busy week. So thank you. I just, I want to say that first. I guess I'm starting with thank you and ending with thank you. <laughs> so who's corny now? <laughs> My one last question. Um, thinking about the fact that you're a role model for other people and you look to your mom as a role model, how can everyday women, like women like me, like how can we be role models for others just like in our daily lives? You know, I think um, the more I think about my own life, I do what I do and I do it unabashedly. And I know that's not necessarily easy for everybody because I just do whatever the hell I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really care what anybody thinks um, <laughs> most of the time. And so, and so that gives me strength to just keep doing what I do. And, um, I, I think the best way to model what you want in life is to live it because people are always watching you, you know, and I, this is again, something that I talk about in my REI talks about the power of visibility. When people see you doing your thing, they learn from that. And so if it's, you know, if it's you trying, really trying something that's really difficult and maybe it's something that you know that you're not going to necessarily succeed at, but you're going to try it anyway. P people are watching you. Um, people are watching you go through that challenge and maybe not succeeding, but you're doing it anyway. And I think that's a, that's a huge lesson for lots of people. So, you know, whatever it is, that's good, provided it's <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> You know, if it's something that that gives good to the world and you are doing it, I think that's the best way to be a role model um, and to and also to bring people into your circle as much as possible. Even if you are an introvert, there are ways to do that <laughs> that aren't like emotionally exhausting. <laughs> um, doing your thing and, and sharing that enthusiasm for whatever you're doing with other people, I think it's the best way to do that. Most people might be surprised at like who they're reaching to. You never know um, who's watching and um, who's learning from what you're doing, what you're saying. Um, and real quick story, I have this one student who reached out to me on Facebook um, and I taught him a couple of years ago and um, and he said to me, Miss Valerio, I remember that time you told me I was really smart and I didn't, <laughs> but you know, I read on and he said, that meant a lot to me because nobody had ever told me that. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> wow. And that was like 14 years ago. <laughs> wow. Those things stick. So like your words, your actions, um, the way you treat people, people remember that. And it all always, and that, you know, that creates this fabric of, of life that people have. And so like anything that you do, you know, whether it's positive or negative, people remember. And so you have to keep that in mind as you go through your life, go through your day, that um, you are a role model and you do have the power to change people's lives simply by living your own life and, uh, and, and relating to people as humans. Oh, I love it. You're a really good speaker. I can see why people pay you to speak. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to Myrna Valerio for hopping on Skype at the start of a very busy week. I hope the speech you were preparing for went well. Learn more about Myrna by following her on Instagram at the Myrnavator. 
And if you haven't seen it yet, be sure to check out her short film, The Murnivator. It was directed by Sarah Menzies, who you might recognize from episodes 62 and 58 of this show. Links to where to find Myrna will be listed on the episode landing page via she-explores.com and the show notes. Thank you to our sponsors, Sawyer, Benchmark Maps, and World Nomads. Get 20% off Benchmark Maps using the code SHEEXPLORES. If you enjoy listening to She Explores, please take the time to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It'll help other people find us. Even better, share She Explores with a friend. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so make sure to tag us so we'll see it. It always makes my day. And if you enjoy She Explores, you'll probably enjoy our sister podcast, Women on the Road. Hosted by Laura Hughes, it's filled with stories of the honest experiences of life on the road from the women who've lived them firsthand. Until next week, catch up with us in our She Explores podcast Facebook group. There we talk about recent episodes, give each other advice, and share resources and more stories about our time in the outdoors. Music is by Lee Rosefair, Kay Engel, Steve Combs, and Memory Palace. Until next week, have fun out there. <laughs>